talking to a university audience recently, I expressed my faith in the power of white people to speak out against racism, challenging and changing prejudice, emphatically stating that I definitely believe we can all change our minds and our actions. I stressed that this faith was not rooted in a utopian longing, but rather that I believe this because of our nation's history of the many individuals who have of offered their lives in the service of justice and freedom. When challenged by folks who claimed that these individuals were exceptions, I agreed, but I then talked about the necessity of changing our thinking so that we see ourselves as being like the one who does change rather than among the among who refuse to change. What made these individuals exceptional was not that they were any smarter or kinder than their neighbors, but that they were willing to live the truth of their values. Here's another example. If you go door to door in our nation and talk to citizens about domestic violence, almost everyone will insist that they do not support male violence against women, that they believe it to be morally and ethically wrong. However, if you then explain that we can only end male violence against women by challenging patriarchy, and that means no longer accepting the notion that men should have more rights and privileges than women because of biological difference or that men should have the power to rule over women, that is when the agreement stops. There is a gap between the values they claim to hold and their willingness to do the work of connecting thought and action, theory and practice to realize these values and thus create a more just society. So I've just read a passage from a book by um, Bell Hooks uh, called All About Love, New Visions. This book was published in the year 2000. Bell Hooks is an acclaimed intellectual, feminist theorist, cultural critic, artist and writer. Uh, she's written uh, over three dozen books and has published works that span several uh, genres, including cultural criticism, personal memoirs, poetry collections, children's books, and covering topics of gender, race, class, spirituality, teaching, and the significance of media in contemporary culture. Among her books, uh, you can read Ain't I a Woman? Uh, Black Women and Feminism. Rock My Soul, Black People and Self-Esteem, or um, Teaching to Transgress, Education as the Practice of uh, Freedom. And this book I just uh, read a paragraph from called All About Love, New Visions, which is a really beautiful book. I urge you to read. It looks at uh, the importance and the ethics of love uh, in the personal, individual, or private lives, but also in society, in relation to, to society. And uh, so it, it, it's really a magnificent eye-opener on, on many different levels. But the, this passage uh, I chose to read in particular is, I'm really interested in what she talks about, the gap between thought and, and action. Because now we, we're really in a key moment in our in our contemporary history right now. I mean, yeah, I just I know I just said contemporary and right now it's exactly the same thing. Uh, 
I just want to remind you, it's uh, it's 2 a.m. at night and you are in my mind right now and I'm doing stream of consciousness. <laughs> and um, yes, this is a dreamers and I talk. Welcome back. Welcome back into my mind. So I was saying bell hooks um, all about love and the gap between thought and action. So we are really in a very key moment uh, right now. On Monday, last, last Monday, I was... Uh, I participated to anti-racist uh, Black Lives Matter demonstration here in Amsterdam. And I'm so uh, filled with hope when I see the number of people who showed up. And we had thousands of people um, on Dam Square. And I see the images coming from many cities across Europe where people really show up. And we really had enough of the systemic racism that is poisoning our, our societies also here in Europe. So the movement came from America. We saw the horrible images uh, of police violence in America. And I'm very happy to see that here we finally also wake up uh, <laughs> to these issues that are absolutely not new. It's painful to see how much time of course it takes uh, to finally wake up but something is happening a revolution uh, is happening really and I will do my my part in this and I want to do my part in this I also need to tell you where I speak from I think it's also important that you know where I speak from so many of you know that I come from a Turkish Muslim background and I grew up in the heart of Europe so I have that immigrant experience via my parents and my family. And uh, I have a name that absolutely doesn't sound European. <laughs> so, But I, I pass as white because of how I look. So I have white skin. I have, So I have that privilege. You know, in the public space, I am white. This is challenged only on, on paper and when I start speaking. So this is already in itself a huge privilege. And I want to acknowledge that because it's important. And I especially want to acknowledge that because I'm, I'm getting really, really angry at all these white European uh, people who, who get so, so you know, suddenly fragile about, oh, uh, but what is privilege? What is white privilege? You know, even how, how, how come I, people like me can acknowledge it? You, you've. You also do your job and acknowledge your privilege, which is above <laughs> above mine already. So there, there are different layers of, of privilege here that we really, really need to address, acknowledge, and then we can do the work. So this is where I speak from, you know. So, and by no means, by no means, I will ever uh, equate my experiences of a Turkish Muslim. Uh, a young girl growing up in the heart of Brussels with the experience of a of a black or a brown person growing up in Brussels, for instance. I would never do that because it's not the same experience at all. This is also what uh, intersectionality is about, right? You know, there are different layers that we need to look at. I'm a woman. I am come from a Muslim culture, Turkish Grew up in Belgium, Francophone Belgium, in French. I live in Amsterdam today. I am in a very privileged position with the, the work I'm able to do with the different platforms I, I have where I can express myself freely. So that's already also a privilege, you know. I'm not in Turkey where 
If I were there, maybe there are certain things I wouldn't be able to say, which I can't say here freely. I have two passports. I have freedom of movement, etc. So all these things, it's very important to acknowledge. That said, uh, this is where I speak from. And um, the reason why I, I chose this passage, so from Bell Hooks and highlighting the, the importance of, you know, the, this gap between thought and action, it's because I also work uh, in sectors, in the cultural arts, publishing, uh, literature sector. I, I am, you know, on the board of, uh, of an editorial board of a comics magazine, uh, Belgian comics magazine. I am, uh, I'm also sitting on the advisory board of the Dutch literary fund. So I am in touch with institutions. I work with major cultural institutions. I also work with independent collectives and um, I'm also a, a freelancer. So I'm an independent uh, artist and writer and literary translator. So I, for me, that independence is very important. And this is why I can do something like this, you know, just pick up the mic and, and just talk and say what I want. So for me, this is really important. And I want to use my platforms the best way possible to really support uh, a common cause, and this common cause is really anti-racism, social justice, equality for all of us, you know, for everyone, but now the focus is really on black lives. And this is something I think it's really, I mean, for me, it's important to remind, and and this is what I want to touch on. So the gap between um, thought and action, and in these different networks I'm part of, uh, there's been discussions, of course, about the importance of diversity in the different teams and how to to have more diverse uh, uh, programs, how to to make sure we we reach diverse audiences, etc. And many times, of course, in these discussions, uh, we're talking about ticking boxes, which is something very problematic, of course, um, and not really talking about really, really including the voices that are actually there in our society. And I'm talking here about European, Western European society. So places I know, it's here in the Netherlands, uh, in Belgium, in the UK, in France, all these countries where I, I, I work with regularly, you know, uh, or Germany as well. And... I've been talking, for instance, with lots of uh, colleagues and people in my networks, people who are in key positions, you know, either they are curators of a major cultural or art institution, a programmer, program makers, you know, program curators, um, funders, you know, they, they look at funding applications and decide if you get money or not. Um, they are journalists, so lots of different uh, people with some power within the spaces where they work. So they can make change. They really can make change. And this is where what Bell Hooks talks about comes in, you know, the values. We now need to put these values into action. Which it, it, it infuriates me that we need, you know, we now wake up to this. Of course, this is something that needed to be done since the very beginning. But again, let's, let's talk from where we are. So this is now the time where if you are a cultural institution, you need to look around you and say, okay, there are not a single black person in my team. What have I done wrong? How can I change that? And how can I make sure I do reach 
black people in my society, in my community, to make sure I can hire them. And not just thinking in terms of, oh, I am organizing an event and I need a panel with four people. Let's make sure I have at least one black person. That's not enough anymore, okay? Ticking those boxes is not enough anymore. It really needs to be in the different teams where people do the work. We need to make sure that there's a true equality of diverse voices across the board and not just ticking uh, small boxes to then feel good about ourselves because we have included one black voice into our program. So yeah, we need to do more. Um, when I also look at, at, the, at the publishing sector, you know, the books... And again, I'm going to look at uh, Europe, Europe, so not, uh, not the U.S., where now currently many people here in Europe, I'm looking at uh, my networks in France, in Belgium, uh, here in the Netherlands as well. But uh, mostly when I look at the uh, Francophone world, for instance, you know, Belgium and France, many people are sharing um, different resources, uh, whether it's uh, films, a series, or books to read. And they all come from the U.S., which is fine, because we need to educate ourselves about that history as well, of course. But then what scares me and what worries me, not scares me, or scare is not maybe the right word, but what worries me is that we're going to end up getting into this mentality again that, okay, it is happening over there in the U.S., so this is an American problem, but... We need to look also at the systemic racism that is very much active in countries such as the Netherlands, Belgium, and France, definitely. So, and there are, there are works and authors and academics who have been writing about racism in Europe from a European perspective already. You know, I'm thinking about people like Fatima Altaïeb, Stuart Hall, um, Gloria Wecker. So there are resources from a European perspective. So we actually also need to look at those, uh, those works. And there has been also uh, works from the UK that have been shared. So really, um, I, what, I, what I see here is many uh, works in the English language. And I also shared, I just read a work from an American author, uh, so Bell Hooks, uh, and so it doesn't mean we have to completely ignore what comes from, from the US. Absolutely not. This is absolutely not what I'm saying. We need to continue reading as much as we can from different countries. What I'm saying is that we should also look at the European perspective of these major authors and make sure their works are translated between the different countries, because that's another reality. Not everyone in France reads in English. Not everyone in Belgium or in the Netherlands reads English. Well, in the Netherlands a bit more than, but the French, for instance, it's 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 a uh, it's not it's not the same as in the Netherlands. Not everybody reads in English, and even if they understand and can speak English, when it comes to reading, it's a different experience, especially complex, multi-layered works, academic works, or non-fiction works dealing. Um, with questions around the racism and institutionalized racism. So we need these works translated into different languages. And for this, we also need a pool of translators 
who come from the different communities. You know, it's very, very important to have black translators translating black authors. I'm not saying they are the only ones who can do it. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong here. Translation is a, I'm a translator myself and, um, I know it's a very complex uh, craft and, uh, you don't always need to be exactly the same identity of the, uh, as the author, just like you don't need to be a man to translate a man or a woman to translate. But there are certain sensitivities and understanding of, uh, of a cultural context that comes with when you have uh, a background that is close to the one of the author, and that's a reality. I will translate uh, uh, an author who, who has a Turkish background or a Muslim background differently than someone who has no knowledge of what it means to be in between cultures, for instance, you know? So it is important. So the, the, the experience uh, is, is important. So because after all, we do translate with our biography, and this is something uh, I've been writing a lot uh, already about. But not to digress from our, from our discussion today, what I wanted to really focus on tonight is the responsibility we have as people working in the different cultural sectors. Uh, all these people I mentioned in my networks, I'm talking to you right now, you know, publishing, culture. We all have key roles. And within our roles, it doesn't matter how high up we are in the hierarchy. You know, we can also be in charge of a small budget for smaller projects. We can be in charge of creating programs for a festival. We can be in charge of looking at funding schemes, etc. So we, we may have very different um, responsibilities in different institutions and artistic collectives, for instance. We all have a role. And we have more than a role, a, respons a responsibility. And to, to quote here a filmmaker and activist, Dia Khan, um, privilege is a responsibility. And now next, I'm really looking forward to seeing how we all as a, as a community of people with key roles in the cultural sector, in the art sector, in literature, in comics, what are we going to do next? I will do the work on my different, on wherever I can make a difference, I will I will make a difference. I will link thought into action and I will not allow that gap to be there. So I do hope you'll, you can do the same and I'm going to wish you a good night now and thank you for joining this Dreamers Night Talk and see you again soon. Bye.